It's been an incredible week for the gathering place. Man, God has uh, been doing some neat, really neat things. And I'll share some, some of what uh, has happened this week uh, because of last week's message in our discussion last week about, uh, about multiplying community. Uh, everybody with me? Say, oh, yeah. All right. It's a good crowd this morning. I'm glad y'all are here. But we got work to do, so I want to make sure everybody's plugged in. Uh, so we got a place for the kids. It's good. I see the kids are on their way out. We were short on help this morning, so it looks like Doug and Shirley rose up, right? Did Doug and Shirley go with them? We're good? Oh, they are on schedule. We just didn't know about it. All right, so welcome to the gathering place. We have a lot of new faces today for some strange reason. Uh, so we're glad you're here, uh, those of you that are new. We don't we see, regularly see new faces, we just don't see so many in one Sunday, because you can see we're small. Uh, so I hope that this is God working in your life. I know it is. I know you're not here by accident, and it may just be for today, and that's cool. We're good with that. Uh, we want God to send people to this congregation that uh, want to be, that feel called to be a part of this congregation. Uh, the people that are here that are members of this church are, are very excited about what the Lord is doing here. It's very unique. Um, for our little town, our little area, uh, not weird, just unique, and we'll talk about that today. Uh, we, we are determined to be a community that just follows the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and in the Word every day. Uh, we got plenty of theological training in our church. We understand the Word of God, uh, but we also understand the Holy Spirit, and we embrace the Spirit's leadership in our daily actions, and in our, we, we try to be more sensitive to the Spirit's promptings day to day to how the Spirit is speaking to us through His Word and try, our goal is to adjust our lives to that and through our adjustment to that we get to see God do God-exclusive activity in our lives and we have seen that at a gathering place. This has been a week of that. Uh, we're in a study in the book of Acts studying what it means to be a biblical community that blesses. And so community is a, a term that we use a lot when we talk about church but we don't really uh, what we're discovering is that we didn't really understand all of what community means. There's a lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit does whenever he has access to a community of believers. And this is a brand new community of believers. These people were just, uh, had just come uh, to salvation through uh, the resurrected Christ, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so they are fleshing out community in, the, in its rawest sense. It's, it's pure community, really. And uh, contrary to what some of you that are visiting might believe, we're not focusing on uh, speaking in tongues and the gifts uh, that so many people who embrace the Holy Spirit or talk about the Holy Spirit seem to embrace. Though we don't, we're not, we don't, uh, I'm about to say disclude, but that's not a word, right? We don't exclude um, those gifts. We believe that they they still continue as the Lord uh, uses them. But there's so much that the Holy Spirit is doing in the book of Acts. The, the, the disciples spoke in tongues at the beginning of the book of Acts in the very first encounter after the Holy Spirit came in many ways just to, to confirm and affirm the fact the Holy Spirit was in their hearts and lives, that he had come as Jesus said that he would, that you'd be endowed with power from on high. But then all, all through the book, there's some weird stuff going on in the book of Acts and the kind of weird that we want to embrace, things like... They began to, uh, they immediately, they felt connected to community. All those who believed began to sell their possessions and give to each other as they had need. There, there was this, this uh, uh, loss of desire for the things that they possessed 
for the sake of taking care of the people in the community, which was unusual. But people in the community, not people in the outside community, people that were part of this new body of believers. They were taking care of one another, uh, blessing one another. And, uh, and they were, they were uh, God was using them to bring healing in people's lives. And he was using them to, uh, to spread the message of Christ in some difficult situations and empowering them and emboldening them. Even Peter, who was so weak prior to the crucifixion of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit, now is, is emboldened and empowered. And so we're trying to figure out what does it mean to be that kind of community. And, uh, and God is doing that in this body. And then the strangest of things happened. A couple of weeks ago, is <laughs> the uh, thank you for that whistle. Uh, the strangest thing happened a couple of weeks ago is that we're in the text, just naturally going through the text, and we're at this place where now the, the community is beginning to disperse, and, and and Peter and Paul particularly are about to begin to spread the message to other villages, and we see a little bit of that with Philip initially, and we started. So we started looking at. What does it look like when this community experience that is blessing so many people and so many people are responding to the gospel, what does it look like when, that, when you take that community and you bring it to other villages, other towns, other places where people also receive the Holy Spirit? Now, next week we'll start, if we continue in the book of Acts, next week we'll start, uh, we'll talk about what happens when they disperse after Stephen's stoning and how these people went to different places because that set it up for Paul and Peter and other apostles to go and, and, and set up church, biblical community in these villages. Because these people that were in Acts that came to, uh, to the Feast of Pentecost and they, they experienced the Holy Spirit there and 3,000 plus believed and then 5,000 and daily they were being added to their number, those that were being saved. And then they dispersed. They all went back to their hometowns. And, and that's where Paul is, particularly is going to go to spread the message and say, Continue. Continue to walk in a surrendered relationship with the Holy Spirit. Continue to walk in what you encountered in, when you were in Jerusalem. Walk in that. And we see this, this consistent message in Paul's writings about abiding in the Holy Spirit. Walking daily, in, moment by moment, in the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Listening for the Holy Spirit's guidance. That, that even though you might feel a tendency to go one direction, Paul says, I wanted to go here, but the Holy Spirit forbade me. You know, and I, so, so then I started to go here where I wanted to go, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow it. And then I had a dream, and the Holy Spirit spoke through the dream, go to Macedonia. And so I went to Macedonia. I followed the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit does that. He's active and moving in our lives, and we want to be that church. But also, for us, over the last th- two, three, four weeks, we've had multiple experiences that we talked about last week where God is opening doors for us to expand this community, to multiply this community in other places. Now, this is the Gathering Place West, for y'all who don't know. This is the second of the Gathering Place churches. Uh, so this is a plant. And, and, but God has, has put it in our DNA. It's one of our, one of our uh, mission, uh, one of our distinctives. That we'll, and we'll talk about distinctives today also. But it's one of our distinctives that we would multiply. So we, I said to everybody last week, get out, Go. And I really believe that, and I don't want everybody to go. I want you to go if the Spirit leads you to go. But we're not trying to hold on to people here, right? We want to give you this core, these core distinctives that God's given us. This is his gift to us, and we want to spread that. 
We want that to be spread throughout the world. We don't want to hold on to it here. So when you feel equipped and called, then get out of here and go somewhere. But don't just go somewhere. Uh, we, we sent Sam out last week. He's, he's now in Galena, Alaska. He's going to be there with our missionary in Galena, and they're going to be working together. He's gone with a purpose and a call, uh, you know, and, and we're excited about him going out. But I told Sam when he left, your purpose is not to go over there and just muddle your way through and keep a job. You have a, you have a, a work to do there. Teach those people how to abide in Christ. Teach those people about the grace of God. Uh, teach those people about how to, to be focused on others instead of on themselves, all that stuff. Sam is going to be our missionary there. So today we're going, to, we're going to commission and send out Peyton Simmons. We're going to send out Ashley and Levi. Uh, they're going to, to different places in the state to be, to be voices of this work of God in other places. So this past week, it's so interesting to me, uh, Monday, Monday I met with, with, some, with a pastor and two elders from a church in Denham Springs that's, that is declining is that a part of uh, a point of basically of selling their building? They're, they're talking about that right now, this morning. They are, he, they're unfolding that plan to their congregation. But their congregation has declined, and there's no reason for it. These people understand grace. There's a reason for it. God wants to do a work there. And they need, they need young people who understand the work of God and, and will walk in the Spirit. And they need to walk in the Spirit as well. And so God's given us the opportunity to speak into their lives. Now, I don't know how far that's going to go. We may be done after our first meeting, but they seem very interested in us talking some more. So there may be a gathering place church, uh, whether it's called that or not, I don't know, but something like us with these same distinctives in Denham Springs. But I came back on the heels of that meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday. What was the first? Wednesday, the first. I was in my quiet time, I was praying about that particular thing and thinking about Honduras and our, our pastors in Honduras and, and the, the new door that God's opened for us there. And I, I came across, not by accident, by God's design, and I'm, I'm sure it was. There's no doubt in my mind that this was God. Uh, I was reading two, two of the devotionals that I read by A.W. I'm reading two different ones by A.W. Toza right now. I read them just about every morning, okay, and these... Uh, in that devotional, I just want to read some of what I read and, and let you know and let you feel what I'm feeling. Okay? Y'all with me? Everybody alert? Okay, this is not about me preaching a sermon. This is about us as a church moving forward in the direction God has for us. Okay? Here's what it says. Here's what he said. He said, the task of the church is twofold. To spread Christianity throughout the world and to make sure that the Christianity she spreads is the pure New Testament kind. He said, Christianity will always reproduce itself after its kind. A worldly-minded, unspiritual church, when she crosses the ocean to give her witness to peoples in other, of other tongues and other cultures, is sure to bring forth on other shores a Christianity much like her own. The popular notion is that the first obligation of the church is to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, and it's false. Her first obligation is to be spiritually worthy, to spread the gospel. Our Lord said, go ye, but he also said, tarry, tarry until you receive the Holy Spirit, till the power from on high has come upon you. Had the disciples gone forth as missionaries before the day of Pentecost, it would have been an overwhelming spiritual disaster. For they could not have known, uh, for they, I'm sorry, for they could have done no more 
than make converts after their likeness. I just thought, man, that is so on target with what God said at the beginning of this study in January is that he wants to do something that's timely and purposeful for us at the gathering place. This is the time and, 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 and there is purpose in what we're doing in this study. And here it is is that we would, first of all, understand what it means to walk in the Holy Spirit, to, to live life as a community, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and then that we would go out and duplicate that kind of church and community in other places. And so God confirmed it. And I thought, wow, that was really, I mean, I, thought, I felt immediately that was straight from the Lord. But here's something else happened that morning. The other devotional that I read by A.W. Tozer, this has never happened in this year since I've started reading these two devotionals. This is what he says in the beginning of the other devotional in a whole other location. It says, the task of the church is twofold. <laughs> to spread Christianity throughout the world and to make sure that the Christianity she spreads is the pure New Testament kind. And then he took a little different turn on it. He said, theoretically, the seed being the word of God should produce the same kind of fruit regardless of the spiritual condition of those who scatter it. But it does not work that way. The identical message preached to the heathen by men of differing degrees of godliness will produce different kinds of converts and result in a quality of Christianity varying according to the purity and the power of those who preach it. Here, here's, I hope you all can feel what I'm feeling. Is that what, what God is doing here is, is not, we, we can take no, first of all, we can take no credit for it. And here's one of the things I realized. As I was thinking about these plants in Honduras, particularly in, in Ruston and, uh, and Denham Springs, as, as I was thinking about those new opportunities that have opened up, I thought, they need, you know, I need to go, uh, I don't, uh, do I need to go and spread the same distinctives that we have here? And then the Lord gave me this. I was like, yes, because those are not your distinctives. You didn't create those distinctives. You, as a, as a pastor and the elders of the church, have prayed and sought the Lord and waited on God to give you these things one step at a time. We started this church with empty pages. The gathering place, cooperative, <laughs> was started 10 years ago with empty pages. We said we're starting over. We're, we don't want, we're not holding on to anything, God. Nothing is sacred. The pages are empty. You tell us what you want us to do, and this is what's come of it. And it's beautiful to me. It's so beautiful that, uh, that God has allowed us to be a church, first of all, of millennials mostly. Those of you that are not millennials don't feel left out. We love millennials in this church. All right, of millennials who are, who are on fire for God, who are passionate about the Lord, who are, ready to, who are deep in his word, uh, who study it regularly and carefully, who, who want to hear and live by the Holy Spirit and walk their lives out and abide in Christ. We all want this in our lives, and it's amazing because most churches are losing this generation, that God has given us opportunity, me an opportunity as a 57-year-old, to be able to embrace and, and enjoy this. Uh, man, it's, it's beautiful. It's great. And then to spread it to other places. Do y'all realize how much this is needed in, in Louisiana? Do you realize? Do you realize how much this is needed in Honduras? Aaron and I have been going to Honduras for a number of years, and when we go to Honduras, it's, it's the same legalistic system, the same kinds of rules and regulations that governs everything. It's not biblical. It's just rules and regulations. It's just lists of things to do that, that are distortions of the truth of the Word of God. 
It's not pure Christianity. I'm so excited about God opening doors for us to do that. Not because we can make our name great. It has nothing to do with us. I don't care about the name at all. What I care about is that people in every place that we can go, that you can move to, that you can go spend your life in, that you would spread this message and keep these distinctives alive. It's not going to be easy. But here's, here's uh, something I read this morning. I read this to the worship team. Uh, I was reminded of A.W. Tozer. Not A.W. Yeah, this is Tozer also. Boy, he, got, he, got, he gets to preach today. Been dead for a long time. He wrote this in 1945. This is the preface to, to one of the best books I've ever read, Pursuit of God. This is what he says. In this hour, in 1945, of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears. Within the fold of conservative Christianity, there are to be found increasing numbers of persons whose religious lives are marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They are eager for spiritual realities and will not be put off with words, nor will they be content with correct interpretations of truth. They are thirst for God, and they will not be satisfied until they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water. And this is, only, this is the only, he says, real precursor of revival, which I've been able to detect anywhere on the religious horizon. It may be a cloud the size of a man's hand for which a few saints here and there have been looking, but it can result in resurrection life for many souls and recapture uh, that radiant wonder which should accompany faith in Christ. Man, I see that when I look in this congregation. I see that when I look in your lives. I see that when I look at the gathering place, Wardville. I see that when I look in the, in the eyes of the little group that we have in Ruston. I see the potential of that in the, in the eyes of those little pastors in Honduras. I see that, that cloud the size of a man's hand. It's not big. And this was in 1995, and it never did get big. And it may not ever get big. But there's always been a remnant of folks. And we're not the, it's, they're not all in this church, so don't misinterpret what I'm saying. We're not the church, right? But we are going after pure Christianity. We are going after walking with God, being, living in obedience to him, and not mixing that with our old religious habits and ways that, that don't lift up the Lord. And it's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. But I see it, I, I feel like, A.W. Tozer today, and I look out and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand that can make a difference in the world. Y'all with me? All right. I wanted to read all that to you and set you up, okay? Now, we're going to move on in the Scripture today in Acts chapter uh, 11 because there's some principles that God will give us about what happens, uh, what happened in the, in the book of Acts when this, this ignorant bunch of people Ignorant meaning they didn't know anything about church life. They didn't know anything about religion. When they put their faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit convicted them and they received Christ and the Holy Spirit uh, came into them, as they were fleshing out this life, there were some, there were some distinctives that were coming into play that, that went against the religion of their day. And by distinctives, that is almost purely a evangelical term when used as a noun, okay? So it's really a word we made up, okay? We know what distinctive is. 
but distinctive by definition, as we're going to use it, I, wrote, I put it up here. Now, this, this has been included in the Oxford English Dictionary, so there you go. It's characteristic of one person or thing, one person or thing, and so serving to distinguish it from others. So what we're saying is, when we talk about distinguish, uh, d- uh, distinctives, we're talking about characteristics that are beginning to show up in the church in Acts, that are beginning to show up in this body of believers that are wholly surrendered to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to form for them what religious life would look like. And it looks very different than the religion of their day. And so let me just say, as we move into today's message, that if we're going to have these shared distinctives among our body and we're going to multiply community, and then it's going to mean multiplying those shared distinctives. Hey, God brought that home this week in a very clear way, that the things that he's given us that are distinctives for this body and for gathering place churches, for community, for biblical community, we need to be spreading these things wherever we are. First of all, we need to embrace them, and then we need to be spreading them. When we look at what it means to be a multiplied community, one of the things it means is shared distinctives. So as I go and meet with these pastors in Denham Springs, I'm not going over there to discuss what our distinctives are going to be. I'm going over there to say, here's the distinctives of the Gathering Place Church. How does that feel in your heart and spirit? Do you feel called to be a part of that? If so, then we can, we can start working through these together, right? When we go to Honduras for the first time in six years, now we can go to Honduras, and I'm going on the 16th of this month, going back to meet with Dario, and all we're going to do is talk about these distinctives. Dario, this is who we are. Dario, this is what we want to help to produce in, in Honduras. Now, Dario, Dario's already heard all these things. He's already on board, but we're going to talk it through so he'll know exactly what this looks like and what his role is now in the training of these 50 pastors. All right, but these distinctives are significant. This is, this is what God created in this, commu- in this pure community, and it's, it's what we want to make sure continues to move forward. But there's some difficulties that come with distinctives that the Holy Spirit gives us that contradict the religion of our area and our day. And you're going to see those quickly as we go through it. All right, quick message today. Here we go. I know I did a lot of introduction, so deal with it. All right, Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a sheet descending, uh, being let down from heaven by by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts, Uh, prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard the voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. He was not a Cajun, right? But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. Thank you, Lord. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were uh, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. 
These six brothers also accompanied me. And we entered the man's house. And he told us how he sent the angels, uh, how he had seen the angels stand in his house and say, send to Joppa to bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, I was, uh, who, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So last week we saw a new distinctive. It was, it was something the Holy Spirit did in, in and through Peter. The gospel is now for the Gentiles. Brand new distinctive. Very different than the religious uh, beliefs of their day. This distinctive, remember, it came from where? Where did that distinctive come from? It came from who? Holy Spirit. Okay? We're not talking about random distinctives. We're not talking about picking up the distinctives of another church. We're not talking about studying on the internet to see who's got the fastest growing church, pulling some principles out of that church, plugging it into our church. We're not talking about that. Everybody with me? We're talking about the Holy Spirit giving us distinctives. So the Holy Spirit gave them this distinctive. Also, the the distinctive was given to a church elder. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Peter was, was the man at this point, not, not because he was special, but because Peter had failed enough that he was, he was no longer trying to be somebody, and God was able to use him. But he gave it to the elder. So today we're going to see how the distinctive was given to the community. Once the elder got it, once the Holy Spirit gave it to the elder, Peter, uh, and Peter goes and has this experience, we're going to look at the process that the Holy Spirit used to create Shared distinctives, all right? So we're going to see how these distinctives were spread to the believers, to the Jewish believers particularly, that, that Peter lived around in Jerusalem when he returned. Now, we're, we're doing this with, again, a very specific reason. Here it is, church. It's so that you will know and I will know how we can spread our distinctives, the distinctives that God, the Holy Spirit gave us. How can we spread those? in multiplying community. First of all, let's look at the difficulty of accepting these distinctives from the Holy Spirit. Look, they contradicted these Jewish believers' religious past. They were believers. These were Jewish believers, but they contradicted their past. These, these Jewish believers were still struggling to embrace a lifestyle of grace alone, grace, salvation by grace through faith in the resurrection, uh, death and resurrection of Christ. They were still struggling with that. Once the story of Peter's encounter with the Gentiles made its way into Jerusalem, then their doubts and insecurities came to the surface. There was two, I think, two characteristics of this struggle that we need to see. First of all, it's difficult to let go of legalistic aspects of our religion, of our religion past. It's it's hard for us to release these legalistic aspects of religion past. It was actually against the law for these Jews. We saw last week in the text that it was against the law for Jews 
to associate with Gentiles, much less to visit in their home. Go back and look at it. This was against the Jewish law. Definitely their religion uh, forbade it. So it was very difficult for Peter. Last week we saw all the difficulties, and we heard his story this week of how difficult it was for him to embrace the idea that God was actually leading him to go into a Gentile home and to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So we can imagine that these Jewish believers were having the same struggle. Before we move on with them, let's talk about us. What is it that you have a hard time with releasing? What about your, what aspect of your religious past continues to bind you up? What is it about your religious past that, that hinders your ability to live by grace alone? To trust in the finished work of Christ, both for your salvation and the forgiveness of your sins past, and also for your righteousness That God looks at him and not at you. What is it about your religious past that you're having a hard time getting rid of? What is it that binds you? Can you live by grace alone? Why not? Ask yourself that question. I think the first tendency of most believers who discover grace after living in a religious system of beliefs is to try to add aspects of legalism to the gospel. Y'all agree with that? We try to add a little bit of our legalistic past to the, to the pure great gospel of grace that's been given to us. There's a lot of people that understand the need for grace, for instance, for salvation, but there are many of us who have been bound up and never really embraced the imputed righteousness of Christ, that, that God gave us the perfection of Christ. He made us to be righteous by taking the righteousness of Christ, by taking our sins Uh, and putting them on Christ and taking his righteousness and putting it on us. That's the beauty of what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. It's not on our own that we made righteous. It's It's not our own doing. It is given to us as a free gift. Man, what a hard thing for them to understand, but what a hard thing for us to understand. Those Jewish believers, like Peter, had a hard time releasing religion that didn't include, uh, or a religion that didn't include the Gentiles. They had a hard time with that. Okay, you're taking this thing too far. Yeah, yeah, we've been hanging with you all the way through this, and now you're saying the Gentiles are included? No. Okay, it's legit. You got some Kool-Aid you're trying to make us drink. You know, there was this fear that was constantly in them. And every time the Holy Spirit would lead them to something that was God-exclusive, that was outside of their religious norm, every time something like that would happen, there'd be a little more doubt that would rise up inside of them. It would come to the surface. And then finally, some of them just had enough. They said, okay, we're done. We're done with this Jesus thing. We're going back to religion. I know some of you are feeling that. I know some of you feel that. I know you have that same struggle. It keeps rising up in you. Every time, every time God tells us to do something that's outside the norm of religion in, the, in central Louisiana, you feel threatened and you feel like, oh, God, Glenn's getting crazy. Something's wrong with him. He ate something. Something's not right. And before long, he's going to be asking us to come and get our Kool-Aid at the altar. You know, Man, this is, we, listen, don't. Deal with it. Go, with, go to God with those things. Don't go away from here. Just go to God and let God confirm those things. He will speak to you. 
You don't need a preacher to tell you what's real and what's not. God will tell you. He will confirm these things, and he does all the time. But be disciplined and go to the Lord. When you have those doubts, go to the Lord. Paul had that problem. He spoke about this issue with the Galatian church. Remember this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law, by hearing with faith? They knew the answer to that. By hearing with faith. It's a rhetorical question. But then he says, are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now, Paul is speaking to the very thing that we're talking about. It's the same thing that happened here, is that people have a hard time receiving Holy Spirit-led church and community when it doesn't fit into the existing mode of doing things. And so we need to deal with that. Listen, this is a natural default tendency, I think, of every person who's grown up in a legalistic system. So don't beat yourself up. If you have that, you're, you're in here with the rest of us. But know that it must be overcome for you to, to be able to walk in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely, absolutely going to lead you to do things that you have never done before in your past church experiences. If y'all believe that, say, oh, yeah. Okay, you have experienced it. We, that is, that is the, what makes our experience with God organic and fresh and real and personal. He's constantly challenging us, giving us these faith challenges. And we have to overcome if we're going to experience the fullness of Christ. And this is one of the major distinctives of our church. We see the bondage that comes with a religious past and how hard it is for people to simply follow the Holy Spirit. And so we have as one of our goals to help people to overcome. And so when the Spirit gives us distinctives, there's there's difficulty involved. And usually it's tied to religious past. So what does Paul do, Peter do? How does he help them to overcome this? Let's see the difficulty, I mean, besides the difficulty of these new distinctives from the Holy Spirit. Let's see how the Holy Spirit leads Peter to deal with this problem. And, and then ultimately lead this congregation to embrace it. Right? He was successful because he followed the Holy Spirit's plan. So let's learn from the Holy Spirit as he works through Peter. Let's see the principles that we can apply to help those that God sends to us. First of all, Peter demonstrated patience and love. He, he demonstrates patience and love. These are Jewish believers, okay? These, these are believers. They put their faith in Christ. And he comes home from this mountaintop experience where God moved and worked, and he knows that God is real, and he knows that the, the, the gospel has spread to the Gentiles. It's been, he's had this experience, and, and he comes home, and he's fired up, and the first thing he catches is questions from people who already heard that he had gone to the places he shouldn't have gone. And he still has patience and love for these Jewish believers. I think our tendency is to get mad. I think our tendency as a church, even at the gathering place, I think this is our tendency, is to get mad and to get impatient and to write people off as if they don't get grace and as if they never will. And we have a preacher of 22 years here who didn't get grace until he came a couple years ago. He was a preacher for 22 years, like me, preaching works-based religion. No, everybody, if we need, look, if y'all need a testimony, you already had one a few weeks ago, go listen to Bill's testimony on the podcast. 
You need a testimony of a man who is stuck in religion and a proponent of that, selling it to people. If you want to know what what it's like to transition into grace, Bill can tell you that. Listen to his testimony. Listen to the testimony of any number of people in this church. We need to quit writing people off. We don't need to get mad and impatient with people because they don't get it. We need to have patience, the patience that Peter had. Secondly, Peter shares how the Holy Spirit spoke and what the Holy Spirit said. It's so helpful when we share the specifics of how the Holy Spirit spoke. We, we have this church in, in, uh, in, in Ruston. We've been there for a year, meeting in a home. Talitha and I have been going up there every Thursday. We love it. We love being with those people. They've been so slow to grasp how the Holy Spirit speaks. And, I, I, and God did a work in the last, this last few months to, to finish that up. You know how he did it? Through the stores of Kobe and Carly and the stores of Levi and Ashley. Two regular people. Two regular couples, not the pastor. Two regular couples and his wife. Two regular couples came up there, not by our design. We we didn't tell them to go up there and and spread this word. Well, we asked Kobe and Carl to go up there and talk a little bit about their lives, but Levi was an accident. (laughs) Holy Spirit-empowered accident, but an accident. But what happened? They, they went up there and shared stories of how the Holy Spirit speaks in their life and answered questions, and all of a sudden, it's starting to make sense to everybody there. And we've heard this past week some of the first testimonies from the Rustin group of personal touches from the Lord where they know that God, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and sharing it from the Scripture and sharing it from their experiences and how God spoke through their, their circumstances during the week. They're getting it. It's so helpful whenever we speak the specifics of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. This is a weird experience that Peter had. Look, it's weird. And, and there's no chance. When Peter's telling this story, I had this dream. And she came down from heaven. You know, it's like, oh, what? You going to tell that out loud to people? A sheet came down from heaven and there was all kind of weird food and God told you to eat it? And you made that application to the Gentiles? You're weird. Get ready for that. Right? But tell the stories. Tell the weird stories. Don't be worried about whether people think you're weird or not. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, people need to understand how he speaks because we all believe that he does. Christians, we believe it, but we don't know what it sounds like. Nobody does. We don't know how to hear the voice of God and how he speaks. Share what God says to you. Share the details of it. This past week, we, we asked the, the group in Ruston to pray about giving to Honduras. Uh, before we got the $600 to take care of Dario, we asked them to pray about it, also about being a part of it. Well, we were on our way back home last Friday, a week ago Friday, and one of the girls in our group sends me a picture. She was packing up her sister's apartment, packing up all their stuff, and she randomly came across a little bitty purse that said Honduras on the outside of it. It was a purse that her dad got from Honduras when he went on a mission trip years ago. and you know, I mean, he got it as a souvenir and brought it to her. And so I, I texted her. I said, does that, does that have any meaning to you? She said, well, yeah, it was my dad gave it to me. I said, no, but it's a purse with Honduras written on the outside of it. Does, you know, does that, I know it's weird, but does that say anything to you? She said, oh. <laughs> you know, can God speak through a circumstance like that? Yeah, I know it's weird. It's weird to tell people about that. I'm feeling a little weird telling some of you new faces that. Okay, we're not strange people. We're just... 
you know, we're not asking God to tell us to do something that's not in his word and deep in his word, right? But it is like Peter having this dream. It's this weird stuff. It's like, and we recognize it because the Holy Spirit shows us this is him. This is me speaking. So obey what I say, right? And so, man, no, Peter does that. And I, I think we need to, we need to see the, how helpful that is. It helps community to understand how God speaks, all right? Also, and it helps them to break out of that religious bondage that they're stuck in. All right, also, thirdly, Peter shared that he was not alone in this experience. That was key. It was, key. It was important to them. Look at it in verse 12. These six brothers accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He had six brothers, six Jewish brothers that accompanied him that saw the Holy Spirit move and work, saw these people get uh, receive Christ, they saw it happen. He had six brothers with him. And I know that adds validity. And you know it does too. I mean, in the scripture, there was always the testimony of two or three witnesses before something was considered valid. And I get that. The testimony of others meant it is not just one crazy man off on some tangent. Right? People, and, and more people walking in the distinctive, in the, the distinctives that the Holy Spirit leads for us to, to have and to, to do, more people walking in it and sharing their own stories helps the community to embrace it. So what does that mean for us? I think it means this. Number one, there's some of you that believe in abiding in Christ. You believe that, if, that God will speak to you as you pray and seek his word and spend time with him and that if you obey what he says, he will, you will see his activity in your life in ways that you've never seen it before and you'll come to know him through that experience. You believe in that. But if somebody was to approach you this week and say, man, what do you think? I heard Glenn said this thing about a coin purse. What? Are y'all crazy over there? Man, I know. I don't believe all that. That's one thing we don't do, right? Will y'all walk with us in that? This is shared distinctives, okay? I need some people that will walk with me in, in believing that God still speaks. Thank you, 28 people who have committed to one hour a week to fleshing this out. I'm so excited. I'm tired already just thinking about it. But I'm so excited about 28 hours of one-on-one meetings where we can walk this through and you can press it to move it beyond your head and into your life. That's the purpose of that. So that there'll be one more person out there sharing the crazy testimony that God is actually living and, and speaking and the Holy Spirit really does communicate, that he really does do the things that Jesus said he would do. He guides us to all truth. He convicts us of sin. He speaks to us. He works and moves us in places where we're not planning on going that he can communicate to us in a way that we understand, and we can come to know him through that. We believe that. So number one thing you can do is support it. Support it. If you had not had the experiences yet, don't doubt those experiences, and don't back off when somebody in the community comes forward and say, yeah, he shared that story. I think it's pretty cool. I, you know, I've never had anything like that, but I want it. There's a good starting place. But then also, get your own stories. Second thing is get your own stories. Go pursue God. Get your own stories. The thing I'm excited about with the 28 that are ready to press in, and I'm excited about everybody. I know these 28 are just at a point. They're ready to do this. But what I'm excited about is that they're going to start having their own stories to tell. That's the whole purpose. That's really all I have is stories to tell about successes and failures of walking with God in life. What does it look like? So I think the testimony of others 
means a lot. And apparently Peter did too because he shared that these six men who are with me also saw it. So it's not just me. All right, fourth, Peter shares the God-exclusive activity. He shares it. Look at verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it had, just as on us at the beginning. Now, this is the part that no one can refute. Right? This is the part, now he has six believers who were with him. He was there, and God gave them the ability to speak in tongues so that they would connect that experience with their first experience in receiving the Holy Spirit. That's the significance of that speaking in tongues. Every time a person gets saved, they don't have to speak in tongues, okay? That that is not the sign, an additional sign that's necessary for salvation. But there are times in the Bible where God allows someone to speak in tongues, particularly in the beginnings of the church, because they need to see, Peter needed to be able to see that Gentiles can be saved. He needed to see that they had the exact same experience that we had, that the Holy Spirit really did come into them. There's God-exclusive activity that happened in their life. They have proof in their life that this is real. And so he shared that. And that confirmed this new distinctive. That was it. That's what the church needed to hear. That's what these Jewish believers needed to hear to seal it up, is that they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. Oh, oh. God-exclusive activity happened in their life. Their lives were radically transformed just like ours was. Right? There's evidence that that Gentiles now could be saved because we saw it. We saw the evidence in their lives. And so for us, again, man, I just think we need to share the God-exclusive activity in our lives. When God tells us to do something crazy, then share the results at the end. Share what God does. Fifth, Peter connects the new distinctive to the teaching of Jesus. Okay, he's not out there on some tangent following what he says is the Holy Spirit and it's out there doing some kind of crazy something that's not biblical. He connects it with the teaching of Jesus. Look at verse 16. He says, and I remember in the moment when the Holy Spirit came on those new disciples, those Gentile disciples who believed, the Holy Spirit came and they spoke in tongues. He said, God took my, the Holy Spirit took my mind back to remember the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus said this. He said, John, the bapt- John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It all made sense. The experience was already a biblical experience, but Peter experienced it, and then he remembered what the Scripture said. And, and lots of us have had experiences where we go to the Scripture, the Scripture says do something, and we go do it. Okay, that's one way to experience God. That feels like a list. You know what it feels like when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, and then he shows you in the Word that it's biblical? It's a whole different experience. That's when you know the Spirit's alive, right? I mean, the Spirit wrote the book, so the book's alive. But, but when you experience the Holy Spirit and then God connects the truth of that experience to what Jesus said, that's a whole different experience. And so I encourage you in that, that we need to also connect what God does here with the truth of the Word. Let's don't be find ourselves out there random saying that God said something when he didn't say it. Let's don't find ourselves out there saying that God is leading us to do something when it's not in his word. It's not biblical. But also, let's, you know, we're not going to go back to religion and just embrace things that people say that God said that we're supposed to be doing, right? Every one of us can walk 
in the will of God. I've noticed a tendency as I share the distinctions of the gathering place that some people tend to be too focused on spiritual experience and not focused enough on the Word of God. But I've also noticed that some people are too focused on the Word and the, the theology of it all and the doctrine of it all and never embrace the Holy Spirit. We need both. Both are helpful when the Holy Spirit is building distinctives in biblical community. So we're careful to preach the Word of God, right? But also embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? All right. Finally, Peter shares what God taught him and how it is a new distinctive for the community. Look in verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter learned something. He learned something about God through this experience, and he saw his role as a believer. And it was a challenge for the rest of his life and career, and it was a challenge for the rest of the community. And that is, okay, I'm bringing this as an elder who's experienced God, I'm bringing this to the body and saying, here's a distinctive for us. We can now go to the Gentiles. God is leading us to go to the Gentiles. And so over here on the other side of town is the the rules and regulations of the Jewish church and the Pharisees and teachers of the law who are saying it's against the laws, spiritual law and otherwise. If you're Jew, you don't go to the Gentiles. And then we hear the Holy Spirit over on this side saying you go to the Gentiles. And he says it to Peter, and he gives him an experience to confirm it, and he brings, in, brings along six guys with him to, make him, make, uh, to be witnesses. And they see the God-exclusive activity, and they know for a fact that what the Holy Spirit said is true. And now they also, watch, they also know for a fact, for a fact, that what the religious people are teaching is false. Don't find yourself going back to religious teachers when the Holy Spirit does a work in your life and gives us a distinctive as a church to move forward. This is our call as a church, and we need more people who will receive this call. It's so hard for people to detox from religion anyway. When somebody new, like these folks that are visiting today, walk in the door, it's, so hard, it's going to be so hard for them to, to process all this stuff that we've been processing for three years. And to get to this place of joining us on this mission of spreading this Christian church, this, this concept of church, of Christian community that God's given us to spread that, to be a part of spreading that around this town and in other villages. And so right now, God wants us to do that. He is multiplying our community by giving us shared distinctives. And we need to embrace those things. Look at the results of what happened for them. Verse 18 all right, remember, all right. When they heard these things, they fell silent. Number one, <laughs> they got quiet. Okay, they weren't quiet at the beginning, remember? At the beginning, they were, uh, they were saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, right? They had something to say, but now they're quiet. And then, he says, they glorified God. Why? Because the Gentiles, God granted the Gentiles repentance that leads to life. 
They glorified God, recognizing that God was the author of life and that he was also the author of this new distinctive for the church. That he was the one that was putting this together. And if you think about it, again, as we've said over and over again in the book of Acts, this is exactly what Jesus did when he was on the earth. He constantly had to leave the Pharisees and religious rulers and, and teach his disciples. And then when they would do something that was right, but wrong according to the church of the day, Jesus would reprimand the Pharisees. He didn't reprimand the disciples. You guys just don't know what the Sabbath is about. Let me explain to you what the Sabbath is about. Oh, you don't, still don't like it. No, we're going to kill you. Oh, no surprises here, right? The church was always against that. And religion today does the same thing. We still want to fall back on religious lists, on rules and regulations so that we can control everything instead of letting God be in control. The gathering place, we're going to spread these distinctives. We're spreading them now, right now. We're going to Honduras on the 16th. The gathering place is going. One of your elders is going to spread these distinctives that God's given us. We have a couple that we're going to pray over today and a single girl who's going to spread these distinctives in places outside of this town. We're going to spread these distinctives. These are things that God's given us to do. Would you be a part of that? If you would, then you need to recognize patience and love are necessary. We need to share what the Holy Spirit speaks to us as he speaks it to us. We need to not be alone in our experience but bring people along with us to add support. We need to share God-exclusive activity. And we need to connect that God-exclusive activity to Scripture, and people will be okay. Those people that are still bound to religion can come out if we'll do what the Spirit is teaching us to do in helping people to share this community with us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for these truths from your Word. God, we are so, so thankful that you have given us these distinctives that have transformed the way we do community, and it's, that has meant so much to us, God. It's changed our hearts, given us a deeper love for you and a deeper heart for you. And Father, I just pray that every person here would take this message wherever it applies and would, would work it in their, in their spirits. Father, would work with you to make the changes necessary. Free us up, God, to walk with you, to trust you, Give us discipline in the word to support the things that you say. Father, I just pray for these distinctives as you, as you begin to move us and multiply us in other communities. That the people that where we go would receive these things and walk in them. And be better than us, Father, in walking these distinctives out. God, do your work today. We worship you, God, in closing because you are God worthy of praise. And worship and thank you for being so intimate with us. In Jesus' name.